I was watching the director's cut of the Tom Hanks movie, Apollo 13, and I hit play, you know, the button on the DVD player that said play movie and out walks Tom Hanks. And he's like, hey, before we watch the movie, I want to talk about the technology back in the times of Apollo 13 and really how that whole spaceship didn't even have the technology that's in a common calculator. Okay, actually, that didn't happen. But sometimes I feel like that's what I'm getting when I listen to a podcast and people give the entire backstory of their guest. And so I decided to ask you, hey, am I missing something? When people do this, it doesn't really do anything for me. Why are you doing it if you are? And how do you feel about it when you listen? Maybe there's something that it's doing for you as a listener that I'm not getting. So today, I'm going to hear your answers on this subject of how much of the backstory do we need to include. I'm also going to share a mistake I made in this very episode that you listened to that cost me 30 minutes, and we're going to be talking about that because November's question of the month is going to be, how long does it take to make a podcast? I'd love to have your input. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And today is the last episode of the month, which if you're new to the show, I ask my audience a question. They send in their responses and we all learn together. And this week was really, really spooky. For the record, when I do this question of the month, I'm always convinced I'm going to put this out there and nobody's going to reply. But this one, I actually even attempted to do what is called a dialogue. Now, if you're, say, under the age of 25, back in the day, people that had different opinions would get together and politely and calmly explain, hey, here's what I think, and and here's why I think it. And then the other person would go, oh, that's interesting. Well, here's what I think, and here's why I think it. Where today we go, you said what? Oh, that's it. And then we try to basically rob you of your job or any form of income so that you die. And so I was kind of like, well, I'm going to put out this opinion. So let me explain my opinion and then we'll hear what you said. And you know what? We might actually learn something. So here's what I think. I think that people are starting podcasts and there's, there's nothing wrong with interviews, but here's what's happening. You start a podcast and you bring on a guest and you say, Hey, Welcome to the, you know, Dave's Fitness Show. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Mark. Now, Mark is an expert in creating a gym in your garage. He is the master of gym fitness. He's got 8 million people in his Facebook group, and he knows how to get great equipment without spending a lot of money. Mark, welcome to the show. Mark says, hey, thanks for having me. Whatever. All right, whatever. Let's do some gym stuff. Hey. And, uh. I go, great. Hey, Mark, tell us where you grew up. And he's like, I grew up in Brooklyn or something. I, I don't know, Mr. Kata. And uh, I go on and on, and I hear how Mark 
went to like Shane Wainley Junior High and Glenn Hebert High School and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, my audience is like, hey, I'm dying to hear about where I can get inexpensive gym equipment for my garage gym. That's what I'm talking about. Let me give you a real life example. I've actually heard people do this. I'm going to go out to LinkedIn and find somebody's bio. On today's show, we have Mark. Uh, he's been involved with AIG American uh, General. That was back in 2000 doing software testing before he moved on to mobile production with the Tennessee Digital Video. Then he actually started Happenstance Productions. That was in Garrettsville, Tennessee, before he then moved on to being a freelance engineer for Camp Digital. Now, in 2012, he was a freelance audio mixing engineer. He did that from 2012 to 2016. Are you riveted yet? Uh, he also did freelance TV production. He was an audio engineer, and uh, that was from 2014 to 2016, and that was in the greater Nashville area. He also worked at Viacom Music and Entertainment, uh, better known as MTV, from 2016 to the present. He's also a freelance audio engineer, and today he's going to talk about such and such. And my question is, if I'm bringing Mark on to talk about audio, do I really care that he was in software testing back in 2001? Do I really care that he did mobile? No, I want to talk about audio. So that's my thought. And I've heard people do that. They will read, I, and I'm making this up. I tried to find the recording and I couldn't. I heard somebody read somebody's really long LinkedIn bio. And then their actual first question was, did I miss anything? And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. So that's the part that I'm going, I, I don't know that that whole history of who this person is, is that really delivering value to your audience? So I threw this out to you and here's what people said. First off, we're going to start with Scott from whatwasthatlike.com. Good morning, Dave. This is Scott Johnson. As far as going into a guest's backstory, I'm with you for the most part. Where the guests grew up, where they went to high school, none of that really matters to me at all. And all it does is delay getting to the stuff I actually want to hear about. So I take that into consideration when I have a guest on my show. In fact, anytime I record a conversation with a guest, you know, the conversation always starts with, hey, Jim, thanks for coming on the show. And the guest says, thanks for having me. And in the editing process, that gets cut out because it serves no purpose. I just want to get right to the story. But having said all that, there are some cases where you can't just jump directly into the story. Sometimes there needs to be a little bit of a setup. Otherwise, there could be things that happen in the conversation that don't make sense. As an example, I had one guest, Dan, and his story was that, that he was telling was about the time he got mauled by a grizzly bear. But before we got into that, I had him talk about what happened the day before. Because the day before that, he had gone on this amazing date with a girl he'd been seeing uh, for a brief time, and they watched some whales surfacing, and they had decided to kind of make it official that they were a couple. And he hadn't told anyone about this, not even his family. And here he was now being airlifted to the hospital and going into surgery, and his girlfriend is in this awkward situation because she wants to go to the hospital and see him, but she hasn't met his family. So does she just show up and say, Hi, I'm Dan's girlfriend you've never heard of. Well, so when Dan gets to that part of the story, the listener really needs to know something of what happened the day before 
in order to have everything in context. But other than whatever backstory is necessary for things to make sense, I agree. Skip the boring stuff and get to the good stuff. My show is called What Was That Like? And I talk to regular people who have been through extremely unusual situations, like getting your face chewed by a grizzly bear. You can find it on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Scott, thank you so much. That actually, I think, is probably one of my favorite episodes of Scott's podcast. And I think we could all just drop the mic and go home because that's really, I think, what we're all going to agree on. We need the part that reinforces the main point that we're bringing the guest on for. And in his case, by bringing in that background information, it adds stakes to the story, which is why I wonder what's going to happen when she shows up and meets people, there is parents that they've never met. There's that whole like, well, what's going to happen now? That's going to be awkward and weird and strange. So I totally agree with everything Scott just said. I think if somebody said, well, what do you mean by that? I'd be like, go listen to my friend, Scott. But there's more to learn. And we've got some great points from my buddy, Max Trescott from AviationNewsTalk.com. Hello, Max Trescott here of the Aviation News Talk podcast. I used to love listening to news talk radio stations when I lived near Philadelphia in New York City, and more recently near San Francisco. And like the format of those stations, my show is a mixture of news and talk with guests about various aspects of learning to fly and aviation safety. My approach to handling a guest's full story has evolved during the seven years I've been podcasting. I used to be a very linear storyteller, felt that I always needed to start at the beginning, then progress to the middle, and then to the end. And I still use that approach for the aviation books that I write, but those are mostly how-to manuals, and I think they need to be written that way as often one thing builds upon another. But when it comes to interviewing a guest for my podcast, I do everything I can to get to the meat of the story almost immediately. I don't think people are interested in all the details about where the guest grew up and in what year they learned to fly and what kind of plane they learned to fly in. I avoid background origin stories unless they bear directly upon the main event that we want to talk about. To get to the main event quickly, during the interview, I don't ask guests about their background. Instead, I've already researched that information and have boiled it down to the three or four sentences that I use to describe their background and set up the story. But I don't read those three to four sentences during the interview, as I don't want the guest expounding upon them and delaying us from getting to the main event. Instead, after the interview, I read those three to four sentences about the guest and then play the interview. This gives me full control over the background information and lets me get to the heart of the story quickly. I also let the guest know ahead of time that I want to get to the main topic quickly in the interview. This does result in shorter interviews, but I never want to waste the time of listeners. I never feel compelled to do long interviews just to fill up an hour. Instead, my podcast is more like a variety show where a short interview is often just one segment of a longer episode. If you have any interest in aviation, check out the show at aviationnewstalk.com. Thank you, Max. I love that strategy. Going to be riffing on that in just a second, but uh, we've got Bill coming up along with two other people. Take it away, Bill. Hi, Dave. This is Bill Monroe with The Stroke Cast, where a Generation X stroke survivor explores rehab, recovery, the frontiers of neuroscience, and one-handed banana peeling. You can find the StrokeCast over at strokecast.com. To answer your question of the month about why we may include a lot more details about our guest before we actually hear from the guest, I think it's helpful to 
keep in mind some of the different reasons that people listen to podcasts. While people may listen to podcasts to learn something, I don't think most people are listening to learn a specific thing, to learn how to do something step by step and then to execute those steps. I mean, I think that's something we go to the web for or we go to YouTube for, but not for podcasts. Because podcast listening is often in a place where you can't take notes on those steps. You can't record those steps, and you're not going to execute that specific piece of knowledge right at that time. Podcasting is for when you're doing other things. It's one of those things where podcasting is also obviously a much more intimate form of media than what most of us consume. I mean, for the most part, there's no other place where you can actually just whisper into somebody's ear that you don't know and not have them go ahead and hit you. But when people are putting my voice into their ears through their earbuds, that's a powerful connection. And that intimacy, I think, is why it becomes so much more important to introduce our guests. It's not just about establishing their credibility and why we should care and why we should be listening to them, although that's important as well. But we are inviting them into this community, into this relationship with us. We have a relationship with each of our listeners. And as you talk about a lot, we need to talk to an individual listener. And we're talking to that one person Bringing another guest into there, we've got to help connect them to that listener and help introduce them to establish a deeper level of intimacy faster. It's like when you set somebody up on a blind date. You're going to give that person you're setting up a lot more details about the person you're setting them up with than just, hey, here's their name. They're really smart. Let's get right to the concrete information. So the whole podcast listening experience is just that. It's listening. It's being in relationship between the podcaster and the podcast listener and just having that ongoing sense of community. It's less about the specific things that you're going to take away from this particular episode and more about coming back week after week after week to be with our friends. And that's why I feel it's important to spend some time introducing a guest to your audience. Uh, I'm Bill Monroe. My podcast is called The Strokecast, and you can find me at strokecast.com. Bill, thank you so much. I love the idea of a blind date. Going to riff on that in a bit. And I also loved, I'm listening to Bill, and he's doing his intro, and then he throws in one-arm banana peeling. And that literally almost made my head like jerk around. I was like, wait, did you just say one-arm banana peeling because how many people want to know more about one arm banana peeling? Very cool intro, Bill. I like that. Next up, we have Mark. Hi, this is Mark Vinette from the History of North America podcast, where I explore the wonderful and tragic stories of North America's inhabitants, heroes, villains, leaders, environment, and geography at markvinette.com. I find that pertinent background and bio questions help the audience situate, evaluate, and judge the credibility of a guest who claims to be an expert in a particular field, such as history. Thank you, Mark. And one more. 
Lewis Goodman here from the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. You can find us at lovethylawyer.com. Dave, I wouldn't have a podcast if I didn't look at my guests' backgrounds. My podcast focuses on attorneys, how they became lawyers, and what their lives are like. I think of my podcasts as conversations between professionals, the kinds of discussion I might have at a conference or in court. Of course, anyone who wants to listen is welcome to listen in on those conversations. I usually start with a brief intro and explain their recent achievements, but I pretty quickly move into background and upbringing. I'm genuinely interested in where people grew up and where they went to high school, college, and law school. Other legally-oriented podcasts often focus on how to build a practice or run one more efficiently or how to effectively cross-examine or understand the evidence code, and they often do these things quite well. My podcast really focuses on the individual and what makes that person tick. Dave, I really love your podcast. I'd like to interview you on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. We sometimes have people on who are not lawyers. I'd be happy to ask you a few questions to find out who wound you up and what makes you tick. Thanks, Dave. Lewis Goodman here from the Love Thy Lawyer podcast at lovethylawyer.com. Thank you, Lou. And since we're kind of talking about crafting an interview, which is kind of like crafting a story, I thought this would be a good time to talk about novel marketing. You see, a lot of podcasters plan to write a book, but they don't know where to start. And our sponsor, the Novel Marketing Podcast, is here to help. I've been talking about the author media, 10 commandments of book marketing. And man, does this tie in. Uh, Commandment number seven, thou shalt wait thine options before investing in marketing. And of course, when we think about marketing, we think about money, but money isn't your most valuable investment. You must also invest in time. He says you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. So that is commandment number seven from the author media 10 Commandments of Book Marketing. For more book promotion and publishing help, listen to the Novel Marketing Podcast in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. I'll have links in the show notes as well out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 798. And because I like links, hey, schoolofpodcasting.com slash author. have links to everyone who participated just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 798 and i agree we need to understand the history of our guests so we can ask really good questions and i loved the idea of a blind date think about if you're setting somebody up you're not going to say hey you know how you hate horror movies well this person likes fish No, you're going to tell them about the things you have in common. You're going to connect those two things together. And that's where we can learn the history of our guest and then tell our audience the part that's going to make them go, I have to go on a blind date with this person. Holy cow. And another reason why people include the history of their guest is you want your audience to identify with the guest. There's kind of that, Hey, if they can do it, if she can do it, then I can do it. Let me give you an example. I was watching, there's a, uh, a series on Netflix. It's actually pretty good. It's the movies that made us. And they were talking about coming to America. The first one with Eddie Murphy and all the, it's a great series. If you watch it, it's fun to see the behind the scenes stuff. And in many cases, these movies almost weren't made, but that movie made $288 million. It was a romantic comedy 
oh yeah, and everybody in it almost was black. And it was nice for people of color to see somebody on the screen that, hey, those people look like me. And if you don't think that makes a difference, Black Panther made $1.34 billion. Why do you think, what was it, crazy rich Asians? Things are starting to look I identify with the person on the screen. So when you interview your guest, I understand that hearing their story can have the audience go, oh, they sound like me. I still think we don't need all of it. But there is another side of this that I went, oh, okay. And that was Lou was talking about a podcast that does the behind the scenes of the lawyers. And I remember when Nick Suberling had a podcast not so much about podcasting, but about podcasters. And this is where I learned that Ray Ortega used to be a cop. It's true. Look it up. And uh, I like that show. I wasn't listening to hear marketing tips or gear talk or whatever you hear on a typical podcast. It was the behind the scenes stories of the podcaster and it was billed as such. And I think that's one of the things that I would point out is you need to let people know this isn't about how to be a better lawyer. This is the behind the scenes of the lawyers themselves and how they became a lawyer. The beautiful thing about podcasting is there are no rules. And I'm going to give you my example. I'm going to play. This is a a kind of a lengthy clip. And I was interviewing. This is back in March. I was interviewing Kristen Molnar about how to get booked on podcasts. And so this is about a two and a half minute clip and you'll hear, I added some uh, extra things to it. But to me, after she said this, I then asked her about her history. Well, Kristen, is there anything else that people should know when it comes to wanting to be a guest on a podcast? Absolutely. One of the biggest complaints I hear from people that have been a guest. So some people might say like, I don't want to be a guest on a podcast. Like it has never produced any results for me. So this is one thing that I hear from people like, you know, I've been invited to be a guest on people's podcasts and I showed up and I talked about what I knew and like, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't get any traffic, didn't get any business from it. It felt like a waste of my time. This is what I want to say that everybody needs to remember when they're becoming a podcast guest. The biggest benefit you're going to get out of podcast guesting is the relationship with the podcast host. So I think that there are a lot of false hopes or a lot of like false narrative around like what I'm calling like one hit wonders. I think people think like if I go after the biggest podcast that I possibly can, it's going to change my business. Here's the thing about being a podcast guest, just like every other marketing strategy, just like every other networking strategy, it snowballs on itself, but you have to treat people like people. Like your job as a podcast guest is to show up and be in service to the objective of the podcast host and to show the podcast host, hey, I appreciate you allowing me to show up in your space. And I am here to really provide as much benefit as I can to you. And I want this to last beyond a recording. When people come in without that mentality, I think that the benefits are just severely limited. And I know we talked about this already, but it is just something I believe so firmly that I want to make sure that I'm so clear about this. 
being a podcast guest has tons and tons of benefits, but you're just missing out if you're not looking at this as an opportunity to meet really incredible people who are connected to other really incredible people and building a business that you can have fun together. Like that's what I love about podcasting. And I wish more people came into it with that frame of mind, because I think out of that, we would get better pitches. We would get better research. We would get better conversations. We would get better results on the back end. So just want to make sure that we're hammering that point home for anybody listening. And now that she had delivered phenomenal value, in my opinion, I then asked her about her story. You can find them at yesbossva.com. How did you land here? Oh, this was an interesting journey for me. So I, in 2018, had built up a virtual assistant agency. So I started in the entrepreneur world, one, by being an incredible failure, and then deciding that I should just be a virtual assistant because I needed to collect some kind of money without going back to a day job. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So in 2018, I had built up my agency to pretty much be a self-led virtual assistant agency. So my team really knew how to handle the day-to-day grind. So for me, I think the first part where she was delivering stuff that you go, yeah, I never, wow, that's really true. That held my attention much more than her story. And so one other thing I wanted to point out that you can do when you do the research, because you're like, well, Dave, I, I think I agree that we need to get to the meat and potatoes. So how do we do that? Well, you do your research. We heard everybody say you can benefit from understanding the history of your guests. So do that. And one of the things I love, especially if you have somebody who's like, you're going to let me promote my book, right? You're going to let me do this. And they, they really, you can disarm them by introducing them and saying, Hey, today I'm interviewing Mark. He's the gym boss master. He's got the book getting rid of frowns by shedding pounds Here he is. And then that person can't, you've already promoted their book. If there's something that they always say in every interview, you can actually use that in your introduction and disarm all their pull my string kind of stories that they use in every single interview. And then you can get to something new and you can get right to the meat and potatoes. That's the part I love because it's not that their history isn't important. It's that sometimes they're not very good at saying it. And so you can condense it down, find the part that just your audience needs. It's going to make them go, ooh, I want to hear the rest about this person. Enough of it so they can go, wow, that person sounds like me. And then it's mean potatoes time, baby. So that's my thoughts on that. Now, what is the question of the month? In just a minute, I'm going to play parts of a voicemail I got. And what I want to examine is how long does it take to make a podcast episode. So what I'm talking about here is from idea to hitting publish on Libsyn or whoever you are using to publish your podcast, not promotion, not blah, blah, from idea to recording and editing and show notes and everything else in between to publish. How long does it take you? Now, I've always said the best, the best I can ever do was four to one. A 15 minute podcast took me an hour because I had to research what I was going to talk about. Then I recorded it. Then I edited it. Then I wrote up some show notes and then I uploaded it and hit publish. And lo and behold, my 15 minute podcast at the best I've ever done 
has been a four to one ratio. It took me an hour to do a 15 minute podcast. So there are apps you can use right now. I'm using a tracker. There's a ton. I'll have links to them and I'll be talking about them in the future that you can use to track what you're doing. And you will be surprised. Yes, you will. Trust me that really I spend that much time watching television or really I spend that much time on the phone or re- whatever it is. And so you can, all I'm tracking is this, the episode. Okay. How, what was the final length of the episode? And then how long did you spend in minutes creating the podcast? So if it was, you know, three hours, that would be 180 minutes. And then is it a solo show? Was it a co-hosted show? Was it an interview show? What's the format? And is there a video component? That's what I'm tracking. And so if you want, start tracking those. I actually have an Excel spreadsheet that you can put your information in so we can kind of all see. Now, for the record, you're going to have editing rights. So please don't go in and delete everything. That would be kind of mean and nasty, but I'm giving you rights to put in your information and then we'll report back on this. Now, I still want you to record your answer because I want you to be able to promote your show. And that can be just like, hey, Dave, for me, my podcast episodes are about this long and it typically takes me this long. That's really all we need. And then talk about your show, because if we get super detailed, that's going to be really boring to listen to. But if you can all, as always, tell us about your show and where we can find it now that I've told you kind of what the question of the month is, let me explain where this came from. So now I'm peeling back the curtain to show you, hey, we should probably talk about this. Eric from the White Collared Podcast had contacted me about episode 795, where I said how to come back from a break. But I also said, if you can, don't take a break in the first place. And here are some comments that he had on that. Hello, Dave Jackson. Eric Elton Glenn Hilliard here. I suspect that most people who put their podcast on hold do so for largely the same reason I had to. I'm going to say poor planning. That's not meant to be a negative comment about anybody's planning on their podcast because nobody, I don't think, intentionally plans to poorly plan their podcast. But lack of information, I think, causes us to make an uninformed decision early on that snowballs into having to take a break at some point in the future. And this voicemail was originally 10 minutes long. I'm actually editing it down. And at the end of this, I'm going to explain how you don't have to make an uneducated decision. So let's get back to Eric and hear him out. And really, the big thing has to do with how much time does it take to make a podcast? We've all heard the question, and most of us have asked that question at some point. The answers that come back usually are not wrong, but they're misleading. People are told, allow extra time when you're first starting a podcast Because you don't know what you're doing. You have never done it before. There's a learning curve. It's going to take you more time to produce an episode when you're first starting out than it will as you get more practice under your belt, get more experienced. Of course, that's true. But what the new and prospective podcaster hears is however long you think it's going to take you, add a little extra time. And I don't really think that's a good piece of advice because the fact is, at least in my case, It took a lot more time than I had anticipated, and I allowed extra time for my inexperience. 
it's a difference of degree. I think experienced podcasters say allow extra time thinking something different than what the prospective new podcaster hears. And that's why I want to do this for the question of the month in November, because after all, I'll get you the answer very, very soon. That means 8 million different things to 8 million different people. Back to Eric. Now, I have a theory. Don't don't make your judgment based on what you hear at the beginning, because it's not really going to sound quite right until we get to the end, and then I think it'll all make sense. When a prospective podcaster asks, how much time is it going to take to produce an episode of my podcast? I think the best answer is to sit down, plan out all the stages of your podcast episode production, each step of the way, and determine how much time you think you need to achieve that particular task. Once you've gone through each one of the tasks and assigned an amount of time that you think it's going to take you to accomplish that task, add them all up, then double it. Now, once you've done that, once you've added all those things up and you've doubled it, take that new doubled number and insert that into your daily schedule or your weekly schedule. If you have a 10-hour projection and you can only do an hour a night, five nights a week, and maybe two hours a day on weekends, that's nine hours. You're still an hour short. Have to calculate in that extra hour. So essentially, you're looking at over one week to produce an episode. So based on that, it would be reasonable to assume that you could do one episode every two weeks. Now take that number and double it. That's how often you should schedule your podcast episodes when you are first beginning. All right. And this is where I have to jump in and say the words and, and opinions of Eric do not necessarily reflect those of the host, which is me. At the end of this, I'm going to give you my opinion on this. And also remember, Eric said, wait till the end. So we haven't made it to the end yet, but I just got to say right now, if you stop, I wouldn't recommend doing what he's saying, but let's wait till the end. Remember, this is a dialogue. We got to hear him out. So if you calculate that you can do one episode every two weeks, double it and say one podcast episode every four weeks. Now, that seems absurdly excessive. And for a lot of people, it might very well be the case. However, for a lot of people, I think it's probably more realistic than not. But here's the advantage of it. Nobody's listening. So what does it matter if you want to do a weekly podcast, but you've only allotted yourself one episode a month. But who cares? There's nobody listening. And if your schedule is one episode a month, as new people come and listen to your podcast, that is what it is, and they just accept it. Then as you get more proficient and you reach the point where you know that you can increase the number of episodes you release each month, do it. Now, in my case, it didn't work out that way. I made the plans. I calculated. I did not allow nearly enough extra time. I did allow extra time, but I didn't allow nearly enough. I've been putting out two episodes a month, and all my free time, and a lot of time that shouldn't have been free time, has been going to my podcast because I sorely miscalculated the amount of time involved. If I had doubled and then doubled again, 
I probably wouldn't be in the situation where only 15 episodes into it, I had to take a hiatus. So now that I've come back with my second season, I've released the first episode. I'm going to have to release an announcement saying, look, I'm changing the schedule. It's going to be once every three weeks now. If I had gone the other direction, if I doubled and then doubled and started out with one episode a month, as people come on listening, they wouldn't have cared. That would have been the schedule. They would have accepted it. And then I could have made them happy by coming in and saying, no, I'm going to do one every three weeks. And I could have avoided having to take a break. And I wouldn't have had to deal with the consequences of taking that break. So the best way to come back from a break is not to take it in the first place. And I think that for most podcasters, the best way to not take it in the first place is to take all your calculations for how long it's going to take you, double them, and then double them again. I've enjoyed listening to School of Podcasting and Ask the Podcast Coach. I've listened to some of your other podcasts as well. Love the work you do. And I think if we can incorporate this type of an approach to teaching people to plan their podcast earlier and better, we can avoid a whole lot of problems. I sure wish somebody had given me that sort of guidance before I started. Take care and have a good day. Thank you, Eric. Find him at whitecollaredpc.com. If you want to avoid that headache, you know, there's a website called schoolofpodcasting.com that teaches this kind of stuff. And here's the thing that I want to, this is what I teach at the School of Podcasting. And the key is take the guesswork out of it. The whole, I need to calculate. No, don't calculate. Do it and measure. So what I mean by this is, and, and I walk you through the whole thing, figuring out who is your target audience. And then we get you the best gear for your budget. And then we help you with your website. We get you with a media host. And then when you go to record an episode, if you're doing an interview, if you are doing an interview, do I have your opinion yet? Your opinion. Do I have your attention yet? If you're doing an interview show, please do this. If you have kids, interview them. If you have parents, interview them. You will thank me later. If you have them both, interview them both. You have to do interviews to see what it's like. Then, no matter what you're doing, create an episode. Look, there are things when you're a writer, it's called a rough draft. When you, if you go to Nashville, nobody is writing down lyrics and coming up with some chords and just putting it out. There is all sorts of rewrites and things like that. We could go on and on. The first time you shoot a basketball, it typically doesn't go in. The first time you tie your shoes, it typically doesn't go in. So consequently, the first time you record something, it's not going to go public. And it probably shouldn't. And that's great because what you can do is record a bunch of episodes, two or three or four, and throw them away. It takes the pressure off. You're just playing. You're just learning your stuff. And that way you take the guesswork out of how long does it take to make a podcast episode? Cause you know, you just made some and then you threw them away, uh, threw them away. Now another one, and I'm kicking myself. I'm going to peel back the curtain here and, and I'm going to, I was going to say spank myself, but that's, let's not go there, shall we? But I did something really wrong in this episode. Eric sent me this uh, message and I was like, Oh, I'm definitely using that in the future. That'll be the question of the month. And did I, I had this voice, you know, the voice in your head that goes, oh, Dave, you should probably take that file and save it on your computer in the episodes folder. Just figure out what the date is. It'll probably somewhere near the end of October. Yeah, put it in that folder. And that way you don't have to remember where it is. It's right there for you on your, your computer when you go to get it. And I didn't do it.
I just said, ah, I know where it is. It's in my Gmail. I'll just look for the one with the, you know, attachment, except there's one thing. There was no attachment. He was very nice. He didn't send it to me as an MP3 with an attachment. He sent it as a wave, a wave file in a Dropbox. So it would sound even better. And so I wasted 30 minutes of this episode was added to this production time going, I know it's in here somewhere. So when you have a way to organize the content as it comes in, I teach people how to have content come to you, but I also teach things like Evernote and other things you can do and file management so that when it comes in, you don't lose it. But record some episodes and delete it. Take the guesswork out of it. And then the part I do agree with, Eric, is then look at your life. Look at your life and go, okay, so it took me four hours to make this half hour podcast. Do I have four hours a week? And if the answer is yes, then do a weekly show. I would still record a couple that are good enough for the public. Don't delete those, but have them there so that if life happens, you can go, that's all right. I got one ready to go. And you could have a couple, they call that in the can. It goes back to the days of of movies and stuff. But they'll say, have a couple in the can. That way, if life happens, you can do that. But look at your life and then pick your schedule. Then pick your schedule. And if you go, "Ah, I don't know if I could do one once a week. Could you do one twice a month? Yeah, I could probably do that. Then do that. But just realize you can always change your schedule. It's not something that your audience is. Now, if you give them less, yeah, they might be a little upset. But there is a time when... You know, there's the old saying, if if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And if the podcaster is burnt crispy, I'm here to tell you the content that you're delivering is probably not as good as it should be. So keep that in mind. Now, let's get back to the question of the month. The question of the month for November, and I need this by November 26th, 2021. And the question for November is... How much time does it take you to create a podcast episode from idea to clicking publish on your media host? How much time does it take and how long was the episode? And then be sure to mention your podcast website. If you want to play with some free tools, again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 798. Right now I'm using a tracker. There's also time rescue. There are a ton of ways to track your time, including a notebook where you just number one through 24 and every hour have an alarm go off on your phone and just write down what you're doing. You'll be amazed at how much time you have, or in some cases, you'll be amazed at how am I even sane? So again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I am going to be speaking November 4th at the Florida Bitcoin and Blockchain Summit. That is uh, November 4th and 5th in Tampa. It's going on. It's in the same arena as PodFest. And so I will be hanging out at PodFest because, well, that's where my peeps are. And then I'll be running across the arena to talk at the Florida Bitcoin and Blockchain Summit. Hey, I again want to thank Eric so much for being so vulnerable today and kind of sharing his insights into this. I do help people avoid the common podcast mistakes. If you go over to schoolofpodcasting.com, use the coupon code LISTENER. You can sign up and save 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And and until next week, we'll talk about things you can do. I've got tools. I've got so many tools to help you. I can't wait to tell you about them. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe and never miss an episode. The minute it's ready, it will come down to your phone 
automatically. I'm Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com. Thanks for joining me on my mission to help you buff out the boring parts of your podcast. And until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Mark's like going, I remember this one time there was Susie. She was down by the river. Oh, and it's like, what? What?